Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Chase Town Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Cavs came oh so close to their first feel-good game of the season. Uh, Colin Sexton had probably his best game in his young career against the Chicago Bulls, uh, but unfortunately his shot at the rim did not go in, so they once again improved their lottery odds a bit. To help talk about the Cavs right now, I got my co-host Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? It's good. I got to say, you know, we've been doing the one guest a week thing every Wednesday or I guess Thursday mornings for our listeners. Sometimes it's nice just to have just have the boys, you know, just the it's, court. It's duo. refreshing. It's it, refreshing for sure. Because there's no anxiety about making anyone feel comfortable or. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, I don't have to impress you. No, okay. no. We are like an old married couple, man. And in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll find ways to spice it up and, and keep things interesting. Oh, I, I think that's important. That's why we introduced a third party. <laughs> Which one of us watches? Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't ready for you to go that far. Anyway. <laughs> you should have been. Yeah, calves, calves. So, yeah. So, Jetty Osman unfortunately missed the game. I'm going to say... Cavs would have beat the Bulls if Jetty was playing. Uh, unfortunately, he is out once again for Tuesday. Um, but hopefully he's going to be able to play against Washington on Wednesday because that's always kind of the, the fun rivalry game. And, and Washington is somehow just as bad as us. So that prediction went really well for you, Carter. Yeah, well, you know, I was thinking about it, Justin. And, you know, I think it's fair that I, I you know, I, earlier – I think one of our more recent pods, I kind of like owned that maybe my, like my theory that like they couldn't possibly get more toxic. So (laughs) they would like, they would like hit like toxicity Nirvana and actually be good. Um, I kind of mellow away. Yeah. 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 So I kind of owned that that take was wrong, but then I realized I just, I'm like a, a mad scientist who's calcul who like his first attempt, the calculations were just slightly off. They haven't reached peak toxicity yet. They just need to add mellow. Oh, man. So I can't be wrong until they add mellow and then still fail. So, you know. It's, it's like the guy at the bar that he's had a lot of drinks. He's not doing too well. He still doesn't have confidence. So he's like, maybe three more drinks will do it for me. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. 
Uh, and you know, <laughs> you know, yuck it up, Justin. No, but, what, uh, what I need to know is if mellow isn't enough, how can they go further? Is there another piece in your mind or is that kind of your make or break? No, that's about us. That's about that. That, that would be testing my theory to the brink. <laughs> well, hopefully that pans out. Well, but if you hear Steven Jackson, it's just a big conspiracy. So who's to say, you know? Yeah, you know, that that's fair. Um, it's uh, There's definitely the possibility of a conspiracy, but we actually had a decent Cavs game to talk about. I, I felt pretty kind of invigorated from that Bulls game. Um, I, I mean, this season has been weird because you have so many holdovers from the previous era that you just want some of the the new faces or guys that are going to matter for the future to play well. And with Colin Sexton kind of settling in a little bit as a starter, showing a a bit more poise and and some of his potential, this is becoming fun again. Like we had a couple games of uh, Jetty playing really well at the start of the year, and then that kind of tailed off. Um, So right now we're we're getting our dose of Sexton, and hey, he he can be pretty entertaining when he's actually playing well. Yeah, um, Sexton... I mean, we've been screaming from the since the onset of stop playing Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson, and um, it's been pretty clear that that pairing just doesn't work at all, and should be clear yeah. to anyone who's ever watched basketball. But um, seeing him play alongside the starters, just like playing with like a little bit of just higher talent level, to be honest, like a little bit better spacing, you know, uh, even with the Nance Thompson duo playing along Jr. playing along Hood, um, it just kind of like it kind of just opened up some room and more than anything, just not playing with Clarkson. Uh, the team has clearly been more comfortable saying, Colin run high, pick and roll. Like that's, <laughs> I think no matter how his great game grows and changes and uh, you know, as he improves as a playmaker over time, like his bread and butter will always be high pick and roll. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they just weren't doing it early on in his career was just like, well, no wonder he can't put up, numbers and you know I think neither of us are particularly bullish on this uh, on Sexton as a prospect but you know they weren't even giving him a chance to disappoint us right and I I think I should clarify because I've had a few people kind of ask me about this on Twitter too where um, just because I I have been so critical of Clarkson or not Clarkson god uh, of Sexton hopefully that wasn't a Freudian slip Um, but the thing is, I'm rooting for him to do well. Like, I have no problem being wrong on him. He's just not typically the type of player that I really believe in from the point guard position. His, his jumper, um, from further out, it seems to break down in form. Maybe that can be something he corrects with strength. Because um, he's shown shooting touch. I mean, his yeah, the free, free throw, shooting- the free throws are, they always say that's one of the better precursors to, um, you know, ability to shoot down the line and a cool 92% from the, from the line on three, on just three attempts a game, but still. Right. But the, even the mid range shot looks fairly fluid too. There, there is just a little bit of a change in his form as he goes further out. And one thing that I find encouraging too, now this is obviously small sample size, um, but as a starter and now that he's getting more touches, um, he's forcing it a little bit less. Um, Cause before in the first 10 games, he was giving up the ball on, uh, 67% of his touches, uh, he was pat- 67% of his touches would end in a pass. That's up to about 73% now um, in, in the two games as a starter. So th- that's an encouraging sign. He isn't forcing things as much. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to have like fantastic vision. Like I don't think he's going to get up to like a Trey Young level. But if he can at least move the ball, 
that helps you build an offense around him where you can have other supplemental playmaking and guys that'll kind of help out with that deficiency. If a guy's going to be a ball stopper, it's especially at that position, that's when you start to really run into trouble. So I, I certainly am rooting for him. I have no problem being wrong. I'm very frequently wrong. Um, but it's just, he's a player that I, I kind of had some trepidation about going into the draft and, my confirmation bias was in full force in, in early in the season here. Yeah. Um, just for a, a frame of reference, the last two games, Sexton is leading the Cavs in touches per game at 85. Um, <laughs> next closest is Tristan at 53. And then everyone's kind of bunched from 30 to 50. So, I mean, he's getting his, he's getting a chance to take his lumps going in, going into that two game stretch as a starter he was all the way down at 49.4 so he's getting a lot more opportunity just to kind of dick around to be honest like um, and that matters you know uh getting a chance to learn on the fly and make mistakes and see see how to play it when the big hard hedges and stone walls and like how he's supposed to flip it around um you know for a guy that we all kind of knew was a project that kind of stuff matters like a lot uh so I, i you know, I you talked about this being a fun game, and uh, you know there just haven't been that many. Um, and I still think you know when the jumper is not going, Sexton's very rarely going to be very efficient. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, going into that last, you know, the fourth quarter, he was a bit of a disaster. I think we went oh five. So first three quarters, he was eight of eleven from the field, um, and that's just really, really encouraging and fun to watch. Uh, right. Obviously, they're missing the layup at the end of the game was a bummer because he had it he, he yeah. probably should have had that yeah that first look was fairly clean he he could have had that one um and that's, and that's one of those ones where like if he's like six three instead of six foot nothing that's just an easy layup <laughs> you know like that's just another that's one of those spots where it's like ah oh, it's kind of a bummer you're short yeah it's funny though, like coming into the season, we talked about the situation Sexton is put in are going to be so critical to his development, especially with the limitations he has. And and we talked about how Kevin Love would benefit him. And I think going into this year, if you would have told us, okay, so Kevin Love's going to hurt his foot in preseason, isn't going to be himself for three games, and then he's just not going to play. And then Sexton is going to share his minutes with very little floor spacing and Jordan Clarkson. We'd probably say, Oh yeah, that's that's a formula for him to struggle, and, yeah. and like even now in his two starts, I, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Mort had tweeted it out on his numbers as a starter. Obviously, this is only a two-game sample size, uh, but w- with Jordan Clarkson on the floor versus when he's sitting, as a, since he started, Colin Sexton's true shooting percentage without Jordan Clarkson on the floor is seven seventy-three point five percent. It's thirty-six percent with him on the floor. Uh, assist ratio 14.3% obviously not great uh, but when Clarkson is on the floor 5.6 and that correlates with a lot of what we've seen is that when Clarkson is out there it's forcing him to play off ball not something that's exactly his strength could it could have benefited him in the long term getting some experience but there just isn't movement when Jordan Clarkson has the ball in his hands so I, I think the fewer minutes they play together the better yeah i mean it's pretty clear hold on how loud is my fucking dog being right now i have not heard your dog once oh that's great he's got this like um say uh, hi to todd 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 needs to be on the podcast more to be honest well here's the thing he doesn't speak english um (laughs) he's got this like it's like i barely do 
it's like a goat a goat horn or something like that it's like a like a hard hard bone (laughs) shut up uh that like they can just kind of go to town and chew on and he's just so fucking it's so loud but he's having so much fun i can't i can't even hold it against him uh (laughs) yeah i don't know man uh it does feel like they're at least putting him in the position to succeed a little bit and like that matters uh because when he if he does fail we can at least say okay you know like you can actually learn something like remember kind of my like one of my mini rants so far this season about like how this season has sucked not just because they suck but because we're not there's no point yeah that game felt like there was a point you know like okay like we're learning something about Sexton or Sexton's learning something about himself as a pro and they're trying to do X. Um, and I think that's the kind of things we need to continue to see out of this team. Um, a big part of that's going to come back when Jetty, Jetty comes back. I, I yeah. actually, you know, I, I think we've all kind of noticed Jetty's jumper sort of abandoned him uh, the last six games or so, if not maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the kind of stuff I'm okay with. I'm okay with Jetty launching eight threes in a game. Yeah, try, no, try he, stuff, you know? Like, what I like is that he hasn't been discouraged by it. And, like, a, a couple of those have been, like, late in shot clocks, and he's just kind of said, okay, I'm going to be the guy to take those bailout shots, which probably not in his skill set, and, and some of them are outside of what he should be attempting. But at the same time, like, uh, I think the encouraging thing is that the form seems to be there. And it's one of those jumpers that you say, okay, if he's getting someone that's creating looks for him, um, he, that it's going to go down at a higher rate. And him getting some experience creating off the dribble and um, taking higher difficulty shots could benefit him in the long term as he develops that skill set. Obviously, you don't want that to become the primary part of his game because that's just not what, what his skill set is. Um, but this is a developmental year. And um, to your point, when him and Sexton are playing together again and in feature roles, I, I think that's going to help this season make more sense. And to a larger extent, I think once we see some of these veterans get traded out of town, we can finally say, okay, well, now now we're focusing just on the players that are, are going to matter for the long term uh, for the most part. Like, I don't know if Rodney Hood's going to get moved, but I don't think – I. That's that's my early prediction that was wrong. Yours was the Wizards. Mine was that Rodney Hood might actually matter for this team and might be part of their plans. I, I just don't think that's the case. No, he's just a nothing player. Like, there's just nothing. There's no better way to say it, really. He's he did have another player. poster, though. Yeah, yeah no, it's, do it more often then, dude. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's fine. He's fine. At his best, he's fine. At his worst, he's maddening. Um, and... <laughs> I just, yeah, he's, I'm just not interested in anything he does, you know, but guys like Sexton, every time Sexton leads an offensive possession, I very much feel obligated to pay attention. Every time they try to extend Nance, like Nance took a couple corner threes and it actually didn't look horribly uncomfortable, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, when he does stuff, that's interesting to me. I think he's going to be a part of the next, you know, you hope he's part of the next good Cavs team. Um, same with Jetty, same with Zizich, same with pretty much any young guy. Uh, you know, the veterans, you know, the the Tristans, the the Corvers, um, you just want to – you're happy to see them do well because, you know, you want the team to do well. But they don't quite get your attention the same way that the young guys do because you know what 
what it means when the young guys are trying stuff. Right. Like when it's George Hill, Ronnie Hood, J.R. Smith, and like Tristan and Sam Decker or whoever, basically the, the only thing that's going to come out of those possessions that's a positive is like Tristan getting an offensive rebound and, and outworking dudes. Like those lineups are just never going to have your attention. Some, I mean, even if some, they're successful, like I don't give a shit for the most part. Right, exactly. It's it's tough to get invested in it, and especially when a lot of these games are out of hand. You're like, okay, well, this is somewhat effective, yeah, not great made up basketball. Six points in a twenty point deficit, like that's nice, but I, you know, yeah, it, that's it, not it, why we're watching the Cavs this season. <laughs> I hey, to be fair, I do get a little bit excited to see Vintage Tristan back. It, it's uh, great. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about it because, um, I I tweeted something along these lines. Uh, when guys have extended stretches where they're not themselves, it's so easy to forget about what made them good because you just sort of start internalizing that new shadow. Yeah. And I, I've been watching Tristan in these last three games. He's been absolutely fucking amazing. And yeah. it's like, oh, I yeah, mean- <laughs> our guy. For this season, he's probably the Cavs' best player. And, I mean, that's probably part of the reason they're 1-11. But yeah, he's been really good this season. His last three games, he's put up 19-16, and 10-15, and 22-12. and 12. Right. And to be fair, I think it was completely reasonable for people to question whether or not we were ever going to see Tristan Thompson yeah. be who he was again. Because, like, from February of 2017, that's when he, the, the injuries kind of caught up to him and he was playing through it. He just had not looked like himself. And, and we got a glimpse of what he used to be in, in the playoffs last year. But what we're seeing from him now is even a level above that. It's back to what we, we saw in the 2016 playoffs and the 2015 playoffs. It kind of reminds me of what it looked like um, at its best before LeBron got there. You know, when we, when we were – when he was more emboldened to go back up with those offensive boards instead of, you know, cause I mean, so much of his value as an offensive rebounder for the LeBron era Cavs was get the board, kick it back out. Right. You created an extra possession. And, and that was part of what made the, the Cavs just so dominant offensively. Yeah. And it never, but that those plays don't show up in your box score. Really? I mean, you no. just get the offensive rebound. You don't get an assist. Uh, nothing really shows up. Or sometimes you don't even get that. Sometimes you're just battling for it and the other team bats it out of bounds and you, you get the ball back. Like, yeah. There were so many times like that, and especially when the Cavs were really clicking offensively, it was like, okay, we finally got a stop on them, but Tristan either got the rebound or created an extra possession. And and that's why he was such a good fit. And it, it is great to see that. I, I mean, um, obviously you, you'd want Larry Nance kind of stepping up, but – uh, I think Nance has played better the last couple games as well. Um, and Tristan playing well can only be a positive. I, I mean, he's looking closer to the player that was worth that contract. At least um, he projected to be worth that contract when he signed. Sure, he's limited. But what he does well, he does very well. And, and he brings a consistent effort. And, and for a guy that went to four straight finals and was a, a big part of that, um, for him to now go into a tanking and rebuilding situation. And sure, he talked a little bit more than he should and w- was a little bit unrealistic. Um, okay, not a little bit unrealistic. They're 1-11, and and he was talking about the East running through Cleveland. But still, he has at least backed it up with his play. And, and I think that was a question mark coming into this year was whether he was still going to be able to get up to these games and 
We don't know how long that's going to last, but right now uh, the man's going out there and competing. Yeah. And like, I know we said that we both kind of agree that like the vestiges of the former era aren't as interesting to watch play, but like there, there is the sentimental value that, you know, like everyone wants to deride the Cavs for pursuing, which maybe so, you know, re-signing Channing Fry, all this stuff. But like, like that's our guy. That's our guy that like we defended through thick and thin and, you know, we thought we might never see him be good again. Yeah. And, and it's cool to see him play well. And, you know, if, if the, if his reputation around the league was better, I bet the Cavs could flip would have, would be able to flip into a contender. Unfortunately it's not. And right. that's the way it is. But like, like the Raptors don't have anyone like Tristan Thompson on their roster. Mm, no, not necessarily. Not, not in that exact way. They do have versatile big men. They that have versatile big men, but they don't have any real, like, they don't have the... They don't bring that with the rebounding. Yeah, they don't have the rebounding specialists anywhere on that roster. Right. Um, and, they, you know, I, not, and, you know, that's not a huge deal. It's fine. No, like, I, I don't think he would be an ideal fit. Them. He wouldn't be an ideal fit on that roster. No, right. but I'm just saying, guys, like, he could help a contender right now. He could help a, a Boston. He could help, a, you know, he could help. And... Absolutely. Uh, he can, he can do what Capella does. Yeah, we're not going to see that. And that's okay. But... uh it's just kind of nice to see him playing well again, I guess. Um, right. And as you said, he's one of our guys. And and throughout the second LeBron era, there weren't a lot of guys that were our guys. Like, J.R. Smith is kind of the one adopted one. Uh, but for the most part, it was all kind of mercenaries that were brought in. And and actually, that's not true with J.R. Because there, there was Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson and guys yeah, that... I don't know, man. Anyone who's on the title is one of my guys. Sure. That's very true. <laughs> but at the same time, like... At least if we're looking at what's left over from the LeBron era, like I have no connection to George Hill. I have no connection to Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood. No, um, any of the like, any of the late ads are just like they, they were mercenaries brought in and there just weren't many guys from the pre LeBron team that, that even survived the first year. Like we had Kyrie, Tristan, and Delhi basically. And yeah. um like it, it it was nice to have that connection to the previous era because those were guys that sure those teams sucked and they were just complete dog shit, but you invested in those players. You cared about them. And that's what I want to see the Cavs get back to. I want to see them get back to players that we're bringing up. And even if the ceiling isn't that high, it's guys that you're, you're along for the journey for, because that's really half the fun when, when you're talking about being a sports fan. But in fairness, Justin, this is just a transition year. It's not like a, no, a I, fucking I organizational that. thing. It's but just like, yeah, they just have a bunch of guys that are left over. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's more guys that we like to root for than we'd like to admit. You know, like, uh, ultimately, we don't care about any of the ads from last year. That's fine. I still no, get really I, I, happy. I, kinda, with, oh, I like uh, seeing Larry Nance do well. Yeah, I like seeing Nance do well. I like seeing Thompson and JR and... Yeah, I know Jared doesn't do good often anymore, but I still like seeing him play well when he does. Like, it's still really fun I, I want to see him in a better situation. I, I really, yeah, really Corver, I, I feel really happy when he plays well. It's just like, it's just the guys who are absorbing a lot of the usage on this team in a Clarkson and a Hood. Um, that, I mean, really, I think it's funny. You can really boil down a lot of our frustrations with this team to Hill, Hood, and Clarkson. <laughs> like, I don't like watching those guys play. They're not my guys. Um, they don't 
I don't have any emotional attachment to them. I don't have any future attachment to them. Cause it's not like I have any emotional attachment to Colin Sexton either. It's just like, I just know I'm, I'm getting there. You know what? Like I'm for the future. Ob- objectively, like my opinion on him is always going to be probably a little bit lower than the average Cavs fan. But in terms of investment, like I'm, I'm in on Sexton. Like I, I will read any feature on him. I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. I feel bad when I'm he just saying shots. he hasn't. Like, I'm just I'm willing everything, Justin. Like I'm just saying, like we haven't had like memories, positive associations with Sexton yet. No, we, that's we root for him because of what he represents in the future. Like we have those guys, like him and Zizic and Jetty. And then we have these vets, but then we have these these middle ground nothings that mm-hmm. don't mean anything to us. And unfortunately, just by virtue of the position they play and the Cavs roster, we kind of are like, well, I guess we got to watch fucking Rodney. <laughs> know what helps when you're trying to watch Rodney? What? When you have money on the game. <laughs> yes, it does. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, the best place to be betting on games is at my bookie. Carter, there's so much to bet on. College basketball, football, NBA, NHL, custom props, and even esports. You name it, you can bet on it with my bookie. Well, you know esports is near and dear to my heart as well as the NBA game. Uh, and, you know, we like my bookie because we trust them. Uh, they've been in the business for years. Uh, much like the Chase Down podcast, they've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. Sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM. Not going to make the Justin joke this time because I don't like to be predictable. Not to mention (laughs) that they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. They'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code BLUEWIRE and get your 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Carter. So getting back into the swing of things here, I want to talk a little bit about the pairing of Larry Nance Jr. and Tristan Thompson. Obviously, this is an adjustment made by Larry Drew that's kind of born out of necessity. But I think we saw some positive things against Chicago. Um, A lot of what I was seeing going into this year where if you're going to play Sam Decker at the four, I don't buy into this illusion of him being a stretch four. I don't think defenses respect it. Neither did NBA defenses. Yeah, I I, I mean, they're just not going to pay attention to him. I don't care if he hits one or two threes. They're going to abandon him. Um, So with that, I, I did like the look of Thompson and Nance. I think it gives you a little bit more of a presence defensively. Obviously, uh, Thompson and Nance were fantastic on the boards and, and created some extra possessions against Chicago. And while Kevin Love is out, I think this is a look that I'd like to see the team stick with. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. It kind of almost calls to mind the old Tristan Thompson-Timo Mozgov pairing that nearly pulverized the Warriors into a competitive finals in uh, 2015. <laughs> uh, just because, and with this, and there's kind of a similar line of thinking, which is, listen, 98% of the time, the Cavs are not going to be generating very good offense with the personnel they have out there available mm-hmm. to them. So you might as well just say, listen, we're just going to crash the boards really, really hard. We're going to get two big bodies uh, when everyone else is going small and just generate extra looks because it's not like, you know, 
Kyle Korver at the four is like a significant improvement uh, for this team. You know, like they, they kind of have, they have a bad choice to pick either way. So you might as well just double down on two players that you're actually invested in that we know are at least pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's been pretty good. I think Nance's ability to kind of operate out of the high post as a passer uh, kind of mitigates his lack of spacing, uh, you know, marginally. I mean, I still think their spacing's pretty ugly, but we knew that was going to be the case anyway. Um, and the offensive boards have just been – they just look really good. Plus, Lane Nance is pretty light on his feet. Uh, he does a nice job against most fours. Um, yeah, and he's, he's a smart off-ball player, right? Like, he finds pl- passing lanes. He's always moving. He's not just kind of standing around – um Tristan obviously I I don't think he's kind of as spry off ball like he will find those passing lanes as he's cutting to the basket and and that's kind of his bread and butter offensively um but Nance like he'll set for screens for guys off ball he's constantly moving and and I think that that adds something to the offense because they, they just haven't had a lot of guys that will attract the defense and get them to collapse. And when Nance is running towards the rim, it gets people's attention. Whether whether or not you think that there's the possibility for a lob, you at least have to account for him. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just kind of works. Uh, I will say, I've just been a little surprised that Shannon Fry has been glued to the bench after that one spot start. Yeah. It's a little yeah, it weird, because I actually thought he was fine. Yeah, it's... Was he, like, super yeah. shitty to you in that one that one game he played? I don't no. think so. Well, not more so than anyone else. Yeah, I thought he's just like thought he's pretty good. You know, like hit a couple buckets, got a couple boards, fought for some fouls. Like it's just been kind of weird that they've gone to such lengths to not play him when it kind of feels like he solves a lot of those problems. I'm very curious that when Jetty comes back, whether they'll just swap him for Jr. or they'll go back to Jetty starting at power forward because. I know Larry Drew has talked a bit about wanting to experiment more with Jetty at the four. Uh, he, he really does have a speed advantage at that position. But uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that when he's playing at power forward, he just doesn't draw contact in, in the right way. And that, I guess that's true at every position, but that's, you just have to play such a more physical brand of basketball when you're playing at the four. And that's something that I just don't think he's adjusted to. And, in a season where he's already being asked to do so many things that are kind of outside his comfort zone or at the very least outside of what he does best, I think putting more on his plate isn't necessarily in his best interest. Yeah, I'm a little like, I don't know, maybe this is uh, playing Twitter doctor, but I'm just like, I don't really like the idea of putting a guy who's dealing with back spasms into battle against fours. <laughs> and also just the curse of the power forward like I, I do not want anyone playing the forward that I care about sorry yeah. sorry to Larry Nance yeah I don't know I've, I don't really care what they do to be honest as long as we're seeing interesting lineups play I think the double big pairing has actually been pretty good though and um, it it kind of is something that would never work on a good team but for this team it actually might be the best course of action yeah, l- luckily we aren't that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God. Thank God we suck, you know. Which, um, man, have have you watched a little bit of Duke? Oh, I've been watching every game, Justin. Oh, man. I I could cut glass. Like, <laughs> I, I... Man, those games get me excited. Cause... Yeah, I feel like the, the discourse has flipped pro-Zion pro at one... With the quickness. 
And I wonder if that's going to stay that way. See, I, I think some of it is highlight Twitter getting really excited. I mean, let's be honest. He's one of the most exciting players that I have ever seen in college basketball. A true unicorn, truly unique. Yes. And, and part of my reason for being higher currently on RJ reddish and to some extent little is longevity. Like, I just don't know how someone that big with that weight that plays that athletic, um, can stay healthy and just feels like hell on your knees, man. Yeah. It, I mean, it it just really looks like no one likes to talk about that. Like that's a total buzzkill take and I'm sorry guys. And, And what happens if that injury comes or if some of that athleticism is lost, like what, what is the effect? Um, what, what's going to happen to his body if he has to rehab? And oh my God, that is a depressing thing to talk about a kid that's just coming out of high school. But I, I mean, these are the things that you have to evaluate to be yeah. clear. As long as they have one of the top four picks and they get Barrett Zion reddish or little, I'm going to be ecstatic because I, I truly believe in all four of those guys. It's just, especially as a Cleveland sports fan, like, you just want to avoid the guy that looks like there's something that could go wrong um, because you, you, you almost in your mind, you, you're planning kind of for the worst case scenario. And um, yeah, uh, if you had to pick, I, I mean, if you had, if you can take your heart out of it as much as possible, would you rather have Reddit or I'm sorry, would you rather have Zion or Barrett uh, assuming health for both? See, I just think Barrett, I can make, sense of what he's going to be in the modern game like i think zion is so versatile that you could really use him in a lot of different ways i don't think he's going to be the draymond green type rim protector in the nba and Ooh, did you see him against the army though <laughs> yes he can get the the help he defense, the blocks, but he i don't think he'll be sure. i think asking a guy to be draymond green on defense in the nba is no i, I know no he's, small ask and people <laughs> seem to just be slotting him in there yeah, and if you could guarantee me that, obviously that would kind well, of yeah, be a bit of a game not changer. Even, it's a no-brainer. But like but, asking him to be one of the most cerebral defensive minds we've ever seen is <laughs> – come on. Yeah, and I, I saw – I think um, uh, Jonathan uh, Giovanni uh, had an updated mock draft where he had RJ Little and Zion. And um, I, I think there's certainly the possibility that Zion moves up there. Um, but when you look at RJ, I mean, he, he's just got such a big frame. He's already, uh, he's got such good defensive instincts. He's got the motor, which is the real question between him and Reddish. Like, I think Reddish from a pure skill point. Uh, yeah, Reddish skill might be more skilled. That guy is crazy skilled, and it, it's all been about his motor. Um, and and I, don't th- I don't think it's like Andrew Wiggins' levels of questionable, but that has kind of been the. the I almost wonder level. if he's going to regret going to Duke. Because it's going to be the perfect place for him to just be what like his weakness is what makes is what makes him such a good fit at Duke, which is he's not going to be like griping and trying to take over games. Right. Uh, He'll be a nice third wheel and kind of take what comes to him and just kill teams on closeouts and stuff like that. But it's like, I just wonder if that's going to hurt him amongst scouts because he's not really going to get to prove that he has that dog in him. It's it's such a shame that you can't just draft this damn team because the three of them actually fit together so well. Oh, because yeah. you, have, you have these two dominant monsters on the perimeter that just have so much skill and you have to account for them. And then because you're accounting for them, all of a sudden the lane opens up for a half second and Zion's like dunking on the entire gym. Like yeah. it's, 
and it's it's weird. Like this is the perfect example of how sports like we always assign based on what laundry they're wearing. We assign like certain traits and the traits of the city or or the franchise to it. This is the least Duke team ever and they are so much fun and I just <laughs> I just wish this wasn't Duke, but Dude, this, I, uh, I, it really I isn't Duke. A, yeah, well I know you've uh you're not a big college hoops fan, but I, I had to watch it quite a bit for work at my last job. And, um, you know, I kind of had this running take that Duke and Carolina just switched identities like 10 years ago and no one noticed. Mm-hmm. Like Carolina's winning titles with like four-year seniors and they got like Luke May as their best player, some like senior white kid who's crafty. And then Duke is just coming out here with these outrageously stacked classes that they're clearly cheating to get. And it's just like no one even like they just like completely flipped roles and no one even noticed. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) all of a sudden this is Duke. This is what Duke is now. You know, they've been this for seven, eight years. And um, that's true. uh, Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I keep trying to think like I the Zion thing just feels a little too easy to me right now. I, I like everyone's so quick to just say, okay, he's ready, you know, fuck the rest of the season. Let's, let's, let's go. And I'm like, I kind of want to just like let this season play out and see how he handles some adversity because I think it's pretty clear to me at least that Kentucky went into that game failing, but with the intent of like, we got to stop RJ and Reddish and like, Zion kind of was feasting on being the secondary attention guy, getting the second best defender on him. Cause I think in the NBA, like I am interested in seeing him deal with a guy like, you know, like how does he score on a guy like Joel Embiid? If you're going to play him at small ball center, mm-hmm. a guy who can move and is bigger than him. Yeah. I, I think to some extent, I'm not like, like trying to nitpick as much as like I have intellectual curiosity. But to me, I, I almost think a lot of these guys, I feel they're the most interesting if they're playing down position. Like I, I think if they're playing as a guard, it really makes them terrifying. Like if you put, see, like, I want Zion at five and nothing else. See, I want him closing at five. I want that for stretches. I don't want that for the full game. Like if you put him on Milwaukee and all of a sudden he's just playing on the perimeter and, and you have to kind of deal with the length that they have surrounding him with, your bigger players and then a guard is stuck on somebody. I think that creates a, like a matchup hell. And, and I really do think that the evolution of the NBA isn't to go small and and play these guys at five. It's for guys that are bigger and bigger playing every single position where you have seven footers that can play like guards like Giannis and that you're just going to see an influence uh, or not influence, but an influx. influx. Yeah. And in an influx of talented big men and, and, and guys that have the the larger frame, but the skill set of a wing. Um, so for that reason, I, I think that it, he could really create matchup issues there. And I think the same thing with RJ. I think the same thing with Reddish. Like these are all really big guys that but that are right, tremendously talented. But right now, I don't trust Zion's handle or explosion off his first step. Um, I think a big part of it is a part of what makes him look so good is that he's going against these slow footed centers. And I think that's where his matchup mismatch. It's like, I think you want to play up. You want to put big guys on the wings and you just want to be like size defensively. That's, that's the goal. And like being, having those big wings to punish the smaller players helps. But like, I also think having a smaller guy who can 
who can punish defender, slow-footed defenders, but is strong enough not to get knocked off his spot on the other end. Like, I don't know, man. I just see him as a center uh, and a power forward. I don't want to see him on the wing because I think I, – I, I, don't, I, don't I never want to see him at his natural position. Like, I don't want to see him at small forward. I either want him at, like, shooting guard or five. Well, I don't think he's got shooting guard skill set, Justin. I, like, his handle is good for a center. It's not, it's not good for a guard. No, I, I know, I know. But, like, that's, that's the exciting thing with him is that it does feel like there, there's endless possibilities. And I know his handle isn't great, but you can, you can get around that. You can, you can run. Oh, I'm one, not worried two, about it. Move. I'm just yeah. worried about it if you want to play him way out of position. Like, I don't know. Uh, I, just, I just see more reasons why Zion won't work than Barrett. Right. And, and for me, I just want to go with the more sure thing. And like, to me, RJ Barrett reminds me of kind of like a James Harden. Like, and Barrett isn't like Otto fucking Porter, like a guy who we like, yeah, he's going to do exactly what we think he's going to do. No, this guy could be really, really good too. No. Uh, yeah. RJ Barrett is an absolute dog. Like everyone that talks about him, it's that guy is just a competitor. He's, he's, so aggressive he gets to the rim he draws fouls he, he's looking to finish through contact um his jumper is a little streaky but i don't think it's as bad as people say uh to me the, the one thing he really needs to work on is just kind of his body control on pull-ups but that's something that when you're working with nba trainers you can resolve that really well it's not like there's anything mechanically wrong with him um so i, I just think that that's a guy that um he's he's got the work ethic he's got the support structure um, he's been around basketball his entire life um, with obviously his, for those that don't know, his dad was on the Canadian Olympic team. It was a coach. Uh, Steve Nash is his godfather. Um, like this guy grew up around basketball. So uh, for me, obviously I have the Canadian bias, but at the same time, this isn't an uncommon take. You, you look at almost every big board and he's at number one for a reason. Yeah. I, I just like, I like the smoothness of his game and, and and then the little bursts of athleticism for me to know that he's got it. Um, this is a, many, this is a good reminder that we need to get some college guys on here that can yeah can not as many flash plays as I'd like to see so far. Um, they've mostly been of the smooth variety instead of the exclamation point variety, and mm-hmm. I think that's why you're seeing so much Zion love because he's yeah. all exclamation points. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I would love to have either to be clear. Um, but I, I, I do think right now I lean towards Barrett. For sure. And as I said, we need to get a college guy on here because, like, for me, I'm just basically like Vince McMahon when I'm, I'm watching these guys play. Like, I'm just like, I want any of them. We need to get uh, Trevor McNaughty or Sam Vecini, some of those guys on to help break things down. Um, but I think we've gone long enough. Uh, I, I think our, our excitement is starting to build again. We have a little bit of um, – hope with Colin Sexton uh, that he can continue to build on his opportunity uh, with uh, George Hill being out. Hopefully he can continue to take advantage of these opportunities. We will obviously be keeping an eye on Duke and the rest of uh, the NCAA season uh, as who the Cavs draft is going to be a major part of their future. So uh, Carter, thank you so much uh, to our listeners. Thank you guys a ton. I don't, I don't like it when you thank me. It, it makes it seem like I was a guest here. Oh man, Justin. No, no, I, I appreciate your presence, man. Oh. I, I, I feel that it's important for me to thank you. I, I know you're the, your co-host, and this is your baby as much as mine. But I, I still feel like it's important. To thank you. You want to hear something cute? What? Todd's running in his sleep right now. 
Oh, Todd. Oh, Todd. Tell him he's a good boy. I always do. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks to our listeners. You guys oh, have been uh, out- oh, worth noting. Uh, if you want on our Discord uh, chat, we're doing giveaways, baby. We just gave away a Jetty Osmond jersey today. Yes, we did. Shout out to Tove. Our boy. Um, yeah, so we will continue to do more giveaways as the season progresses. If you want to be part of that Discord chat, leave us a rating, leave us a review on uh, iTunes, send us a screenshot to chasedownpod at gmail.com, and we will be more than happy to send you with the link. If you don't have iTunes or if you're leaving a review somewhere else, let us know. Send us an email. We're, we're pretty flexible. We don't we're discriminate. Cool. Yeah, we really don't discriminate. I, I mean, neither of us are. Are you an Apple person? Uh, I... I'm I'm agnostic. I'm not brand loyal. Okay. Okay. I, I have an I, iPhone. I don't necessarily trust you, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, um, <laughs> all right. That's probably a good place to wrap this up. So thanks again, guys. Uh, we will be back later on this week. We should have a good show for you guys on Wednesday. Uh, so until next time, go Cavs.